Hey, it's good to see you guys. Glad you're here. Good to see you. Meeting some great people this morning. Welcome, by the way. And uh, we're glad you're here. Glad you chose to be at, at Thrive this morning. You could choose anywhere in the world, but you chose us. We should celebrate you. And we do. Everybody's like, hey, thank you. Yes, thank you. You're like, is he talking about me? No, you've been here a few weeks. You're done. Like, your time is over. <laughs> hey, if you didn't get it the first week, I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. We're glad everybody's here. Uh, who would I be talking to except for myself? Sometimes it feels like that, George. Sometimes it feels like that. Hey, I want to tell you about Next Steps. Uh, Next Steps is a thing that we do so that I'm not talking to myself all day. And it is actually a place we provide an opportunity where you can become a part of our community, our family, a place to get plugged in, a place to fly, find home, a place to be known, a place to belong. But uh, importantly for you, as we are all about purpose and connecting people to purpose, which is part of Next Steps, it really is a class we think every, every person should just go through if they're a Christ follower. One, because you need to know about the church in general, the big C general church. But you also need to know the culture of the church, where the Holy Spirit is leading you. That way you can answer the question, uh, Holy Spirit, and ask the question, Holy Spirit, are you leading me to be here and call this home? Which for some is probably scary, but then it gives him an opportunity to speak to you and say, yes, this is where I want you to get plugged in. This is where I want you to go all in. I'm not, lead, I'm not bringing you here to sit down. I'm bringing you here to become all I've created you to be, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. And, but it's also a place where you get to know us. We get to know you. We sit down. We have lunch. Uh, and also, you discover your spiritual, some of your spiritual giftings at the time. You start to learn your personality type and how God has uniquely, uniquely created you on purpose for purpose. And so these are, these are a lot, for a lot, a lot of times, just revelational, revolutional moments and revelational moments. So I invite you to be there and join us there. It, it is next Sunday after second service, but we do ask you to register in advance so that we can make sure we have plenty of food, you're accounted for, we have the manuals all set for you. So uh, if you can't, you're like, I can't commit until that day, well, we're not going to reject you. Uh, you're, you're welcome, but we sure would help us if you would just plan ahead a little bit. So uh, also, we're in our series called Disciple in the you know, I know really how to say that. Uh, here's the thing. Well, we all need to be discipled. We need someone who is discipling, discipling us. We need to become a disciple. We need to understand that we're actually disciples. It's just our process may be really slow because of our own personal commitment. But the requirement is that we have to learn some disciplines. These are just God's word for the principles and the truths in God's word that I begin to apply to my life. They become disciplines, and God begins to just bless my life. So we're talking about that. Uh, Perry came a few weekends ago, and he was talking about prayer and how we interact with God through prayer and, and how he communes with God through prayer and how we should, how Scripture says. And then, then I talked about this thing called the wall. This is a place where none of us will be short of. Some of us run from it. And at some point, we have realized, I've just got to go through this thing. And the wall is a part in your spiritual journey where you discover, first you discovered, okay, I'm going to give my life to Christ. And then you start this thing of, oh, I guess I need to be a part of a church community. And then you discover, oh, I, I guess I should serve because other people serve. And it's, it's more of a transactional still. It's still trying to work into the heart. And somewhere in there where you start to go on this, this deep dive of your soul and how God is working in your life and, and who he's wanting you to be and called you to be. And this intimate part, this inward journey is what it's called. We hit this wall. And this wall is like, man, nothing's working. I don't even know why I came to Christ. Everything's falling apart. Everything's failing. 
You know, my attitude hasn't changed, but everything else should change in my life. You know, my character, you know, I'm not worried about that. It's everybody else. Like, we start to get in that grumbling. Like, it's deep. It feels like we're being pressed, like a wine press. It feels like just, ah, the weight of the world is on me. Good news. You're like, that's not good news. That is good news because here's what happens. When I'm ready to die to myself, now God can actually do some things. And that's where he starts to bring me through this wall. And he, because he cares about you so much, he cares about this wall and bringing you through it so he can leave your junk on the other side so he can start to bring you from glory to glory, from grace to grace. And, and where you fall in love with who you were and who you are is where you're going to struggle the most. Okay. The next, next weekend, the next weekend, Pastor Marcus came in, one of my pastors, and uh, he taught about his concern about the condition of the soul of Christians, the souls of Christians. He talked about how we're so quick when we're hungry and we're starving. It's like, man, I've been working out. I've been doing it. I've been going after it. I really would love a steak and potatoes. I need the protein. I need the, need the nutrients. I need the, the carbs. I need, I need the greens. I need some microgreens. You know, like I need this stuff to, to thrive on. And yet, man, I don't have time. Just give me a bag of chips and a Coke. And this is what we do health-wise. And we, we grab something that's easy and quick because it's right there. And it's great for the moment. Like it appeases my appetite. But it doesn't, it doesn't strengthen me. It doesn't give me what my body needs to thrive on. It doesn't need, give me what I need to thrive on. It doesn't help me to, hit, to run on all cylinders. And in fact, that doing potato chips and, and Coke diet over a long period of time is actually very toxic to me. Well, this is how we handle our spiritual journey, our spiritual lives as well. Man, I don't have time to sit down with God. I don't have time to read His Word. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to listen to messages. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time... But I'm just going to get on my phone. I'm going to scroll through and see some reels that are kind of inspiring. And instead of a relationship with Jesus, what we have is an emotional interaction, an emotional up and down. We have an emotional stimulation that we think, which is, it is a false version. We think, oh, I got it. Like, oh, that was intimate moment right there. Oh, good word, good word, a, a good word. And, and there we go. Now I can go to bed because I'm, I'm stimulated right now. At least I have peace for the moment. So now I can fall asleep. And it's a cheap version. It's a potato chip and Coke version of intimacy with Jesus, and it's a lie. And in fact, we're so inundated with all those reels and all the information and all the stuff, we're basically like little like goo monsters. We're like, I don't know what I just read. I think I feel okay. I'm at least exhausted enough to fall asleep. And I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just bringing to the surface what's already there, right? All right, you're good? You're like, he, he's not, he, I don't have a video camera in your house. I'm not watching you in the, in the community. I'm just, I just know. Like, this is what we do. This is what humans do. And, and today, you're not going to receive this deep, oh, I've never heard that before type message and where you're just walking away overly stimulated because of the content. What it, the genius in a, in a message that is familiar is it brings revelation because there's things that, man, I knew I should have been doing that. Oh, man, I forgot about doing that. Man, I you're right, that, that, that encourages me even more to go over to that next step, to that next thing. That, that's what this is about today. Because I'm really concerned, I really have a deep concern that the American church has become more of a, a society of people who watch and listen to messages from the platform, and they're stimulated, and the, the emotions start to, uh, start to get changed, but that yet they fail to accept the transformation of the revelation that only comes with devotion, meditation, and appropriation. You can go back and listen to that online, at YouTube or Facebook, it's, it's okay. But our, and our experience with God and the messages ha, that he delivers, I need you to know he's delivering the message. I'm just a little messenger. 
have become our responses to the messages or we're watching online or we're watching our favorite pastor or we're listening to a podcast. And here's our response to Family Feud. Oh, that's a good word. Good word. Anybody ever watch Family Feud? Oh, good job. And it's a terrible answer, but, but yet they're still, their families are still saying good word, good word. And, and here's what we've become. We've become this church. We've become a society that says, oh, I'm going to, going to church to watch somebody speak. Oh, good message. Good, 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 good speech. Good speech. No transformation has taken place. And it's what has become, it's become this external appreciation with no internal transformation. And we've become this society where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let people know, I, what star rating am I going to give this speech this speech today, and what am I going to let the world know through Google or whatever reviewed as to what the next spectator can expect when they come into this building? That's, that's what we've become as a society and as a church. And here's, here's the facts. The only thing we need to be worried about is how the five-star five environment of God in his presence begins to re, build a review in how we live our lives. Our lives are the review. And, it's, and that review shows how much time we've been spending in the five-star presence of God. That's really good. You're like, oh, yeah. Well, so I told you it's nothing you haven't ever heard, but, man, I may be waking some stuff up inside. I may be cracking open this little can and like, oh, like you're stamping on my toes. These are all the things I know. I was hoping that nobody would know that I'm not doing these things. Like, you're, you're, you're. in fact, the more stoic you become, the more obvious you are. It's like, Maybe if I don't move, he won't see me. Listen, I see you. You're not a deer, and you're not in the woods. I see you. <laughs> and I love you, and I'm all for you, and I'm, like, celebrating this thing with you. And I'm not perfect, by the way. Can I just say that? Like, I'm striving forward with this thing because I want to I have a thriving life. So intimacy is our next step, and it's really where it all comes out of. And 2024, truly, 2024 can be the best, will be the best year of your life if it is the best year of your life spiritually. And I'm saying 2024 because we're about to get busy, we're about to get distracted, we've got holidays, and with holidays we've got these mix of emotions. I've had some very, very terrible experiences. I don't know about my family, I don't know about old Uncle John, crazy Uncle Eddie. He's going to show up at Christmas. You know what's full. And I'm like, man, I don't even want to show up. I just want to stay home. I don't want to deal with these people. I'm, I'm tired of it. They, you know, last Christmas or last Thanksgiving, all they wanted to do was bring soda and paper plates. And here I am, you know, like holidays brings up that stuff. Maybe you've changed churches and now family is like, oh, you don't, go, you don't go to our church anymore. You go to that church. And like it gets real. Or you haven't, you haven't talked to Uncle Bobby in a long time and, you know, you're, you know, you're the only reason he doesn't come around and like, like stuff, or loss. You didn't have your family that first time in holidays because of. And so I'm telling you all this stuff because I'm casting vision because through all this process, your soul is going to be completely exhausted. Your spirit is only like, like, please help me saturate me in the word of God. And through the holidays, and if not after, you're going to be depleted and you're going to be longing for this very fact right here that 2024 will be the best year of your life if it is the best year of your life spiritually. And then how you go into these holidays and how you encounter these relationships and how you encounter these situations can be completely differently, different as long as your life spiritually is healthy. So let me help you get it healthy, can I? I want to build on a, a foundation that the apostle first called disciple, John, wrote in John 1, John 1, 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning, God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life, of, uh, the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Can I just say, it all started with Jesus, it's all going to end with Jesus. Jesus was what was before the Word, and the Word is about Jesus. Jesus is the manifest version of the Word. Can I just say, it was made through Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Are we, we got enough? He is the foundation. And this is what John was trying to lay down of, listen, Jesus, just in every situation, Jesus, and everyone here doubts Jesus, and everyone here hurts Jesus, holidays Jesus. It's, well, I think it's the square year. I heard the joke. Well, what's the furry little thing that runs through the, on, on the, through the forest and it climbs trees and it has a furry tail? Well, I feel like the answer should be Jesus, but I want the squirrel. It's a squirrel. But Jesus <laughs> is the answer to every one of our situations. And this life that the author, the creator, Jesus, gives a vi- this life right here, there's the light of all men, it gives vibrance, it gives courage, it gives boldness, it gives, gives the ability to handle situations that otherwise shouldn't be handled. It gives a supernatural ability to walk into things, and God gives solutions for problems that are unknown to man naturally. It's the light of men that just lights up the city or lights up the room because I've spent time in intimacy with this Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. And you're like, that is so far from where I am right now. And let me just tell you, it was, I am so far from where I used to be. And, and you can look, you look at me, no, no, you're not, no, you're not, YG. no. Let me tell you, I, I am. And I'm giving you testimony in person through story, through video, through, through message, through video, uh, through message that is really just a testimony of my life. So let me break that down. So this is the process of discipleship. That all things we grow up in, up to understand as we mature must be brought into agreement and alignment with Jesus and who he says we are. All things. And not only that, that we are to be brought into agreement and to alignment with what he says we should do and how we should be doing what it is he says we should be doing when he says we should be doing it. This is conforming to Christ. This is what we're called to do as disciples. I'm laying my life down. I'm going to become a disciple. And I know some of this is hard to understand where you are, but the more intimate you become, the more committed you become, the more intimacy you have, the more he starts to shake off the scales and the things that you can't comprehend. So growth in discipleship begins, uh, brings out a level of courage and confidence that the natural man struggles to understand. Like, I don't understand where, where that comes from. I don't know, understand why they do that. I don't understand how he even has the courage or the confidence, but... Which is through intimacy with Jesus. He just starts to awaken things inside. And this courage and confidence transforms a once fearful man into a, a man of determin- determination. In fact, determination, a discipleship empowers determination. Meaning, man, I'm, fear- I'm fearful, I don't have worries, I have anxieties. Like, oh great, that goes away with discipleship. And discipleship is based on intimacy. And I want to be determined in life, and I want to be confident, and I want to be bold and courageous. Well, great, just discipleship. Because the more solid I, found I become in my foundation and who I am in Christ and who he says I am and what he's called me to do, then I'm very determined because he's the one doing it anyway. So as individuals, we have been trained for anything in life. You've been trained for anything, your job, if you've been in military, in the workforce, anything, college. In stress or trying moments, you're going to reduce down to your lowest level of training. Like your, your lowest level of training, that's boom, it, it, oh, God, oh, my gosh. 
and, and this is what is bringing on in this life that we have is, oh, man, I got a relationship issue. I got a financial issue. And it's all great when it's great, right? It's like, man, I can be that, that, that confident, bold man or woman of God, and I'm just, I'm just doing it all, and I'm the Proverbs 31 woman, and I'm the, you know, Ephesians 5 man, and I'm just, I'm just doing it until trial hits. And now I'm the scared little squirrel over there and like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. What are we going to do? I know the finances are not going to work out. Our marriage is going to break apart. Well, where's your discipleship? Where's, where's your understanding of who God is in the midst of this situation? And where, where is it that you're not understanding that he's trying to work this stuff out of you so that he can get more of him in you so that in the midst of that, through that, you have boldness and confidence even within the trial? This is, this is discipleship. This is what we're called to be. This is what all of us want, by the way. But we have to be committed to go after it and seek it and pursue it and allow it to take us on. So determination thrives on intimacy. It, it thrives on intimacy. My level of determination is obvious on how intimate I am with Jesus. But what creates intimacy? What creates and what does it look like? I think as a human interaction human interaction of faith and vulnerability and trust and, 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 and intimacy. I'm thinking with friendships. There's, there's, a, there's an intimacy in friendships. There just is. You don't want there to be, but the, the moment a relationship starts to come, come about, there's a certain intimacy because there's a sharing of, of details. There's a vulnerability. There's a trust that starts to open up. There's a faith that starts to be in, begin that you're not going to mess me up. Like you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to do what others Others have done. And the more intimate you get, the more loud and prevalent the reality and the history of what other people have done to you starts to become real. It's a different message. But you think about that in your marriage. In business partnerships, is there still a vulnerable, even if it's contractual, even if there's a, uh, there's a contract agreement as business partners, there's still an intimacy because there's a trust based on this contract, but there's also a, a trust on even beyond this contract, you've got to show up and do your part, right? Like there's a vulnerability because I'm committing this, this finances, this level of finance that, that I'm coming with or my, my, my credit on the line because you've got to show up and we've got to have a vulnerability of trust. There's got to be something there. Still, there's intimacy there. What about, what about intimacy and faith with Jesus? An intimate trust that makes room for him, that, that creates more, more vulnerability towards Jesus, that, create, that allows him to have more influence in my life. What about an intimacy that causes me to be more vulnerable, more, more, uh, more, have more latitude and give him influence? What about that? Well, I'm giving you room. No, no, no. You can have this part of my heart. It's beyond that. It's for now, okay. Okay, Jesus, don't mess me up. That's some, that's, some, that's some real sensitive territory. What about that? That's where discipleship begins. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This word right here is a rhema word. It means like there's logos, which Jesus is the logos. But when he speaks and things start to pop off your page and your Bible because the Holy Spirit is with you and illuminating the logos, all of a sudden it becomes rhema. Or when you're just going down the road and your, your relationship with the, with the Lord by way of the Holy Spirit is so real and so fresh that you're hearing the Holy Spirit speak, that's a ram of word. Meaning, it just becomes life. So faith comes by hearing and hearing a word from God that has just become life. 
and all of a sudden it awakens some stuff inside of you, then you have this courage and this insight, this confidence to do something that you otherwise had no inspiration to do. That's rhema. It just, it just lights a fire inside of you, and it, no matter how long it lasts, it may be short-lived, but you, it's just enough to get you through that next step to where it has to cause a dependency upon him so that you can hear another word from him, from his mouth, so that you can be lit up again. And eventually, he's going to train you into being lit up with the Holy Spirit to conquer great, and accomplish great things. This comes through discipleship. It's, also, it's, it's one thing to read about God doing something, but it's also another when the Holy Spirit speaks it to you and awakens a passion inside of you that you never knew possible. He starts to whisper, and then he comes alongside and walks this thing out with you. And it's also one thing to have, our heart, to, to have in our hearts that we love Jesus, but it's another to speak and express that love through a surrendered public lifestyle. And we even, let me just say this, we even fall to this thing that the public says, you need to keep that private. Your relationship with Jesus should be private. I'd be darned. Let me just tell you, you will be darned if you, if you just only have a relationship. You will. It's a private decision made public. And it better come public really quickly. Psalms 119, 97 through 98 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my, enemy, than my enemies. Isn't that good news? Like, I'm going to meditate on your word. I love it. I'm falling in love with it. I'm meditating on it. I'm letting it saturate down in my soul. I'm pondering it. How does that work in this situation? How does that work in my life here? How's that going to work in my relationship? And your commands are always with me. Man, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just blesses that, and he makes you wiser than any of your enemies. Solutions to problems. That's what I need. John 1.17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I think we need to hear this because it's easy for us to go and try to lean on the principles, the law of the principles rather than extending grace and truth to people and allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in their lives. It's easier for us to find this comfort in, in laws and we become very judgmental about other people and about situations, about their relationship, and all, this, all, all the while we're judging ourselves by that action of judgment. And in too much of a hurry, we easily stray away from the basic principles of discipleship, which transforms hearts. And when we give space to people and we just love them right where they are, we never, we never reduce, we don't apply a cheap grace that's got to have some loving truth to it with much grace and mercy that says, I'm going to step back. I know there's a solution. I'd love to tell you the hardcore answer. You're not ready for that, but the Holy Spirit just comes and does the work. My brother is in prison. And so I rarely get to talk with him. And he called the other day, and he's been, I think, for six years or so, and he'll be in for another four years. And so when, I, when he calls, I, you know, if, I, if I miss it, I can't just say, hey, can, can you get me with cell block eight? I need to talk with inmate number 3543333BABC. No, I, you can't do that. So he, but he called, and he's sitting here telling me he's excited, and he's, he, he's, he's celebrating, he's very encouraging, and he's talking about, I'm, talk, I'm ministering to these guys in the prison, and, and man, it's like, they just can't, I just can't get it in their head, and I just can't get it in their head that it's not about the law, and it's all about relationship, and you know what I mean, it's just like, I just wish they could get it, why don't they get it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got the answer, I'm like, I don't know, brother, I don't know. And then he goes, and I, and I, and I, and I keep cussing, and I'm like, they, like, 
my, my mouth. And I'm like, I used to not do that. But when I was really walking with the Lord, before I did that last thing that I did, that got me in here, he goes, then I was fine. My mouth was good. I said, Matt, his name. I said, the Lord is less worried about your mouth. He's more worried about your heart. And so I use a situation for himself that also applies to his situation that he needs to be concerned about how to minister to others. And I said, let him have your whole heart, and then the mouth, all the other stuff just falls apart. And once, the, once you get that, then you can start to transmit that, and once they can see that on you, then maybe they'll be willing to find relationship over legalism. And so sometimes it's easy to see where someone is dealing with a habitual sin and an issue or a character flaw because they're spending too much time judging somebody else according to the law rather than giving mercy and grace and loving truth so that they can receive mercy and grace and loving truth. You've got to know, when you put it on somebody, you're just putting it right back up on yourself. And so how do we develop to maintain this level of intimacy? Number one, we need to lo love Love the Word of God. And I'm talking about phone a friend. More than a million dollars is on the line. What's that phone? I don't know what the name of the game show is. Like, can I phone a friend? Like, what is it? One, who wants to be a millionaire? Not, like, this is beyond that. This is, this is beyond the phone a friend. This is the lifeline. This is the one. This is, this is what has all the solutions to all your problems and all the answers to all your issues. It has all the, it actually has with Rhema on it, it has all the, all the healing that your body needs, your soul needs to remind you. This is your check yourself before you wreck yourself, as Ice Cube would say, as Pastor Mark said so eloquently last week. Like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to check myself before I wreck myself because I'm going to slap somebody if I don't. And that has time connected to it. Who knows what, what level they might be in my family in the holidays. Don't choke Pastor Eddie. I mean, Cousin Eddie. Don't choke Cousin Uncle Eddie. Okay. Love him. Be kind to him. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, Lord. Sometimes you just have to do that. You're in the middle of that scenario. You're about to drive into the, this place, and you're, you're like praying it up. And then you walk in, hey, how you doing? I'm so good. So, Go, good to see you. Love, joy, peace, peace, goodness, goodness, peace. And you're, you're starting to appropriate the word of God in situations and areas of your heart you otherwise would not have reflected Jesus in the scenario. And I know I'm in these sexes, so I can get a good amen on that one. I'm from East Texas, by the way. I'm not talking bad about East Texas. I, I love East Texas. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, can I just tell you, when you gave your life to Jesus, he is the head servant. He is the master servant. And so giving your life to Jesus, becoming a follower of Jesus, means I become a servant of God. So all across this room, if you've, if you've declared that in your heart and you believe Jesus and you trust him, you're, you're handing your life over to him, you're called to be a servant of God. Maybe so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what we want. Man, we want those great things. We want those glamour things. We want those, those, those play things that take us into a, a place of being comfortable in life or being, being, being taken care of. Whatever it is you want, guess what it takes? Scriptures which flow from the nostrils of God himself, which are useful for teaching you. You need to let this thing teach you, rebuke you in your heart. Oh, this is where I want to do it, but no, this is what Scripture says. Well, I want the outcome more than I want my ego, my pride, my self-protection, 
and my selfishness. I want what God has for me. So to teach me, to rebuke me, to correct me, and to train me in righteousness, then I will be thoroughly equipped. And by the way, every good work continues to grow and grow. And the more your character looks like this guy in here, and the Holy Spirit illuminates you, and that rhema word starts to inspire you and light some things up on inside of you, and then you start to get the fire of God inside of you, and it burns out the old character and the old nature and the old you that you're so in love with, and you fall out of love with because you're realizing it holds, it holds you back, then that every good work continues to grow and grow and grow, and you are thoroughly equipped in the process because he's more concerned about your character than he is your, your calling and your gifting. But as the character changes, man, you just fall into these other things. You can't, you can't stop them, in fact. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is. Can you hear that? Not as words of men, but actually as it is. The word of God, which is at work in you who believe like the word of God is in you and working like this 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 truth and the Holy Spirit who has inspired this whole thing because remember it's God breathed it's in you and it's working like some of you are work it's working like this and 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 you're, you're it's, they're like you're forced into it working in you because you're tired of dealing with the problems and the trials and the issues and, the, and it's causing you to pray because of all the issues that you're facing because you just won't spend time with it and just walk with it And so you're tracked, some of you are on a steam engine, some of you are in advanced mode and accelerator, some of you are in snail mode, you ever watch a snail? You're like, hurry up! I wonder what God does, I wonder what he's like, he's patient, he's gentle, he's consistent, and he's constantly trying to navigate this little snail life into the right direction. Number two, learn the word of God. I got to learn it. Well, listen to the word of God. Listen to God's word. I need to come into a church community and be a part of a church community, and I need to hear God's word. I need to also be on watching or listen to podcasts or something that's refreshing my spirit. I need to be listening. I need to listen to the rhema word. You know, once you cultivate this, this lifestyle, all of a sudden you'll be doing something. You'll be just doing something very normal, very practical, very just out of the whatever, obscure, and, and here's a word. Ooh, I got to write that down. Take a minute. I'm gonna write that word down. I'm gonna jot that down. The, this is this listening right here has action to it. It means I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna capture it. I'm, gonna, I'm not just gonna hear it. I'm gonna grab a hold of it and I'm gonna let it work inside of me. I'm I'm even gonna take it home with me and wrestle on it a little bit. I'm gonna let it wrestle some things that I thought I, I thought were true or it wasn't the fullness. The things that I were didn't have the fullness of the truth. But God gave me a new little nugget to add to that to expand my thinking to open me up to help me to become wiser. And it give me solutions for other current, uh, current situations or past situations or whatever situations. But I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to let it work inside of me. In fact, I'm going to let this thing read me rather than me reading it. So I'm listening. I'm, Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, it, whoever, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice. It has some feet to it. And I'm hearing it. And I'm walking that thing out. This is what it says. That's what I'm going to do. I'm subordinating my will, my pride, my ego, my stubbornness, my obstinance, 
And when you grow in, in the Lord like this, you can stand obstinate against the work of the enemy, the lies, the, the, the slander, the issues, the problems, the trials, the, the, the addictions. You can stand in obstinance for the word of God and for the will of God and the presence of God because you understand God as much as we, our little human minds can. Read God's word. Man, det determination looks like a life of intimacy that's built on Jesus. We need to read God's word. I need to be in this thing. I need to be to spend time with it. I need to let it get inside of me. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread on bread alone, but every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is how Jesus actually went from common to conqueror. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, not to hang out and have fun with him, but to be tempted by the devil. And when the devil brought up a counterfeit version of what God had for Jesus' life here on earth, Jesus would continually say, nope, it is written, it is written, it is written. And many of us, because we don't know that it is written, are selling, settling for a counterfeit version of what Satan is selling us so that we can have a comfortable lifestyle rather than seeking the discomforts of the presence of the Lord so that he can write inside of our hearts what he's already conditioned us to love and to pursue so that he, we can walk into the fullness of what he's already called and created and already set a path for us to walk in. Glory to glory, but i got to let go of the old glory to get to the new glory. Get a paper Bible. Like, I love this one because it just opens up. It doesn't try to close itself. Some of you got a Bible and it wants to close itself already. It must be from the devil. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or you're like, well, it just keeps closing. I'm just not going to read it right now. Kidding. Set aside a time to, to read the Bible. Like, you're not just going to say, well, my kids get out at 3.30. Man, I'll be there at 5. CPS will be called. Oh, my doctor's appointment's at 1. Oh, I'll be there at 3. No, you won't. Oh, you want me to be at work at 8? I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm going to be there. Like, you need to set a time with the Lord. He's there. He's just waiting for you to show up. Beyond just being present mentally, physically, but spiritually. All right. Study God's Word. Man, I mean, need to be in it. Study God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. Psalms 119 and 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm pondering this thing. What is it saying? Why is he saying that? What, why, is, why is the Lord just making this, why, what is it inside of me that he's illuminating these verses? Just yesterday, I've, I've read John 139 plus times. And just yesterday, I'm sitting there reading it, and he starts to illuminate a scripture that tells me he wants to talk to me about something. So I just sit on it, and I meditate on it. I'm pondering it. Meditate means like ruminate. It means like a cow's out in the pasture. It's got two stomachs. It's eating grass. It chews on that grass. Like chewing on the word, chewing that. Then it swallows it. Then it throws it back up. Chews on it some more. It's called cud. Mm -hmm. Swallows it again. And the beauty of it is he turns grass into ice cream. But that's beyond the message. But meditate. <laughs> to meditate on it means I'm going to let it get so deep inside of me and I'm going to let it capture my heart 
that whenever I get into a situation, it's already creating guidelines and boundaries, and it's protecting me. And can I tell you this right here? Whenever I cross that boundary, even though his word is in my heart, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, hey, that's not who you are. You get back in those boundaries. You know better than that. You spent time with the Lord. This is Remember when, when we talked about this, when we were sitting, spending time together in that devotion time, and you were ruminating on this? Yeah, no, this, this is what that meant right here. That's why it feels so uncomfortable when you're getting outside these boundaries. Come back in. That's the God you have if you don't know. You don't have an angry God that's trying to beat you back into submission and alignment. You have a very empowering and life-giving God that's calling you into alignment. He's speaking life over you. He's declaring your righteousness. He's con- continually telling you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're son, your son, your son, your son, your daughter, 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 your daughter. Just loving us right back into alignment. Psalms 77, 12, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. God's calling you to do some things that are beyond you. Great. Then you're going to need him. And what that means is you need to get all of you that you possibly can out of you because through this wall and this side of things, you need to know that it's his glory, it's his vision, it's his calling, it's his purpose. It's just he's trying to use you to glorify him to all the world so that he can, if the world will see, oh, they, five-star review, five-star review. But I need these. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Don't. Don't worry about what's going on in culture. Be aware of it. Be mindful. Don't worry about all the. But what solutions are you getting for your, your realm of influence by keeping your mind on heavenly things so that you can change the environment around you? The man said, I tried to change the world. Couldn't do it. Tried to change my state. Couldn't do it. Tried to change my, my family. Couldn't do it. Come down to it. I just need to change me. Start with you. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress, five-star review. Five-star review. Journal your, journal your devotional thoughts. Journal them. I'm starting to write these things down. Oh, my gosh, the Lord is telling me these things. I, I write in a paper, paper, paper journal, writing my thoughts, writing frustrations, and I start to write what God has, to, what he's saying, what I feel like he's saying. And, and by the way, it was, it's when I was doing these things that the Lord started to reveal himself to me. I was sitting in church, none, not, not, not too different than what you're, you're sitting in. And I noticed a lot of times the, the, what the Lord was telling me wasn't anything to do with the message. It was just I was in a place of his presence, and I was calm, and I was still, and I was quiet. I was before him, and I was intentional. I was listening. And I began to write these things. And then I began to take that over to my journaling time. And Habakkuk 2, 1 and 4 says this. It says, I will stand in my, my watch and, and, and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. But here's where m- many of us are. And what I will answer when I'm corrected. Well, I know what I'm going to say when the Lord tries to tell me. Well, I, here's what he says over here. It's not going to go well if you're standing in obstacles every time the Lord tries to speak. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who runs, he who run, he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. 
And I'm telling you, when I started taking the word and my time and my devotion and meditating on the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Logos into Rhema and writing these things down, I feel like the Lord said, this is a man who won't let my word fall on deaf ears. This is a man, and I chose to be a man who would apply his word so that I could become a disciple so that my life, according to him, could be better than I had otherwise allowed it and brought it to be. This is a man who won't let my truths, my principles, what I have to say fall on deaf ears. And I began to take those writings, and slowly he began to give me opportunity. I'd take them into writing messages. What I do each week, and this right here is spend time with the Lord. Get a theme. Lord, what do you want to say? And it's really, in fact, it's really easy. He begins to give me ideas. He begins to give me thoughts. I just write it. He keeps giving me all these other thoughts. I'll say that. Okay. Let me articulate your heart the best and let me get mine out of the way. It becomes really easy. But it starts with just, just journal. Just write down the thoughts. Number three, live the word of God. Psalms 119, 911 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? It's hard. It's hard. Like my flesh, my, soul, my, my flesh wants to do all kinds of things. When I'm young, oh my gosh, when I was young... And it doesn't get any easier. 18, turn into 20s, turn into 30s, turn into 40s. If I'm not setting in principles by living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Look at it, the wisdom. Oh, Lord, don't let me stray from your commands because I got tendencies. There's a flesh man and there's a spiritual man. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Hey, 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 that's not who you are. We, remember when we sat down, remember? Come back over here. I've got more for you than that. That's a counterfeit version. That's a potato chips and Coke version of what I have for you. And I want to let you know that worship becomes a multifaceted lifestyle. Meaning I just live it. Like my worship is just in all areas of life. I glorify God because of my time with him, how I've spent time with him and, co and he committed his heart into my, his word into my heart. And I've, I've meditated, I've, I've ruminated, I've decided. Even being imperfect, it's easy for me to just get guided right back over here. Get guided right back over here. I'm going to read this psalm over you. Because this is a, like a contemplative prayer that I do over verses so that it can become real in my own heart. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word, Lord. I'll read it like this. Your word, Lord. Your word. Your rhema. Things that you cause to jump off of, of this page. Your Holy Spirit just lights it up. And I sit on that. It's slow. I'm meditating. I'm ruminating. And the Holy Spirit then begins to bring to my mind in remembrance things that he wants to talk about. It's a lamp to my feet. Nathan, is it a lamp to your feet in your marriage? All right, you got my attention. Nathan, is it a lamp unto your feet with your children? Okay. 
Help me, Lord. Is it a lamp unto your feet and your finances? Okay. Then light up what I need to do differently, Lord. Notice in this process of just saturating and sitting with him and meditating, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down my will and my obstinance and my, my righteousness in his presence. I'm no longer thinking about what I will say when he speaks. I'm already in a posture and a position of, okay, you have better for me than I even have better for me. I'm, I'm in a place of intimacy and vulnerability. I'm, I'm completely laid over, like just take it, Lord. But give me direction, give me insight, teach me how. Light into my feet and a lamp into my path. Lord, you illuminate, you cause it to be vibrant, the path and the journey that you have for me. You make it so dark when I get off the path, the path to the right or to the left. And you just make it so uncomfortable that I just want to stay on the path, Lord. And, and thank you for the time with you causes me to have this place of, of hearing you. I'm in devotion. I'm meditating. I'm journaling. I'm following you. I'm learning to be a follower of Christ. I'm learning to walk with the Holy Spirit. And so when things get uncomfortable in my private life or my public life, in, in my, when I'm in the community or Wherever I am in any relationship, it gets so uncomfortable because his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that he calls me to come back into righteous alignment so that I can be the, the person, the man who he's called and created me, me to be. Why? Because as Habakkuk 2 said, so that with the, when I read and when I follow, when I'm in the presence of the Lord, it's already decided that I can run with God, God confidence and boldness and courage in the path and the direction of the things to do the things that he's called me or he's telling me or I feel like he's leading me towards. I can run with boldness because I understand his lamp, his light, his word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. It illuminates where I should go and I'm able to see the illumination because I'm following the Lord in my private time. That's a five-star reviewed life. So, Father, we just thank you. Would you stand up and worship with us? We thank you so much for your, for your lamp. We thank you that you guide our, our footsteps and our paths. Thank you that you have more in store for us than we have. So thank you, Lord, that you, you, you love us so much that you lovingly guide us back with intimacy and just a, a declaring of our identity of who we really are and who you really say we are. Father, thank you for leading us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for mobilizing us when we're, we're snails. And thank you for slowing us down whenever we think we're jaguars. Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And Lord, we just say, say yes and amen to your word in every scenario. Can we get an amen?